Hey, all you beautiful people. It's another incredible episode of MedChill Movement Connect show with me, Dr. Fess. We always bring you impressive guests, but today I have to make sure that I'm kind of in the right mindset because there's a long list of achievements. We have an emergency care and rescue trainer. We have a strength and conditioning coach. We have a life God. We have a diver. We have somebody who has done all sorts of rescues as a paramedic, as the kind of rescue trainer that he is, and somebody who's a multi-sport endurance athlete, Ross Kins. He makes me feel a little inadequate, but he's going to give you guys some incredible tips today. Thank you so much for sitting down with us, Ross. Get ready to know what you don't know about being body brilliant. This is the MedShield Movement Connect show where we connect the dots between fitness, health, wellness, nutrition, and of course you. Hosted by me, Dr. Fez Mkize, and a special guest that we have every month, sharing knowledge, insights, and groundbreaking tips on how to get fitter, be stronger, and live healthier. Turn up the volume and listen close. Today you amplify. It's the MedShield Movement Connect show. Let's go. Thank you so much for sitting down with us, Ross. Man, it's, it's amazing to have you. As you can hear, your resume is very impressive. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here and thank you for having me. So there are all of these things that I've said that you do. And somebody might almost think, how do they all kind of join in? Where did that passion come for the human body and kind of movement? So it started as a means to make a little extra cash while I was studying in varsity. And I volunteered my services at the Amchlunga Rocks Life Saving Club. Mm-hmm. And from there, every Sunday, you would rock up, you would assist the pro-life guards, you would lend a helping hand to either on a rescue or literally just put a plaster on a, a six-year-old, you know. And it was just, look, this interactions with people led me to want to be more involved with people. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of changed my degree from full-time to part-time, and then I... I enlisted with the municipality as a temporary lifeguard and then eventually a full-time lifeguard. And then I just started rolling from there, getting a little bit more in-depth in my training so I could further assist because it's, it's, it's quite like unnerving when someone is in front of you literally asking for help and you have no idea what to do. Yeah. So I just thought it's up to me to just dive a little deeper in my medical training. And then from there, people... I hope to say was inspired by my efforts on the beach and just wanted to see where they could also lend a helping hand, which led to teaching them to do the same, which led to a little bit of fitness training, which evolved into yogic training and so forth. So were you always somebody who was very active growing up? Did you like to kind of move? Very much so. I I wouldn't say restless, but I'm very much like to do things with my hands. I'm always on the go. You know, downtime is when I'm sick and have to rest because I have to honor my body. Other than that, if it's like if I'm a bit tired and I don't want to go for a run, I'd rather tend to the garden or sweep the pool. <laughs> so you see, this is where I know you're a yogi because you said things like honor the body. Yes, And, you, you know, to. tend the garden and like sweep the pool is in and of itself very yogic, very, very yes. kind of mindful of you. But I can see that. I mean, looking at you physically, you are somebody who can kind of be called a specimen. Um, But it is (laughs) interesting. (laughs) Just like hardly, he says. We're going to get into some of your personal bests when it comes to the endurance stuff. And you guys can judge if it's hardly or somebody who is very impressive. But you are somebody who seems to be quite attuned to your body. Um, When it comes to going and studying, you said that you kind of did this degree and it was very much economics based. 
but you also did the lifeguarding. Did you always imagine that you were going to go down the path of lifeguarding and kind of no, be so like an from, athlete? From school, I was very much entrenched in uh, kind of fulfilling all the roles in your school, like a chairperson of your RCL, like your student body, chairperson of the games room, setting out all the fields, uh, trying to be top in your academics so you can obviously be astute in, in like amongst your students or, mm. or peers. And then on the professionals or the sporting side, always striving to obviously make an A or a B team. Yeah. And yeah, that led me to, uh, I was honored enough to be head boy of my, my school. And in that journey there, I just felt like there's just so many aspects to life to make you being a recognized individual. And you can't just be dedicated in one avenue and not the other. And But from there, I was like, I want to go and maybe no lines. <laughs> I was like thinking about climbing the you know, the district council being maybe your city mayor and going forth. And then you I honestly, going to be president. I was thinking it. <laughs> I was like, what's the best way to help change and share and like help the world? I was like, you know, presidency is normally like they're like generally 60 to 70 years old. So like, this is it's true. a nice way to retire, you know. <laughs> That's your retirement plan. Yeah. I like it. I like it. So then, then I did my economics because I thought that was a good way to start. And then whilst in there, like I said, I fell in love with, people and helping them on the ground roots level and not just in policy making and you know management i actually wanted to physically help them and that's when i decided to move into medical training i did my paramedics mm. and i was physically really helping them yeah. like patching legs you know helping keep them alive and there is something about that, yeah, yeah and then that just resonated way more with me than trying to rewrite policies and going into politics because that's quite tiring i know there, there is a place for all that but for me i just felt i needed to be hands-on with people and then yeah how i moved into the physical is that being a lifeguard if you're not physically able to overcome the ocean and get to backline and pull in potentially 120 kilos of dead weight, you're not going to save his life. So mm. you have to be dedicated in your personal training to be able to swim there and back. And then all of a sudden there's someone else. You've got to swim there and back. All of a sudden there's someone else. Maybe there's 10. So, it's like a ship that sank and yeah, clearly so, Ross is the only one who's going to be able... <laughs> this is another one. And so I just took that upon myself. Like I have to be fit and I have to be strong because you coming to the beach with your family and you recognize me as the lifeguard. And if I don't recognize you as like, as the people I need to be fit and strong for, then it's kind of like a being a disservice to you because mm. you put your faith and trust that I'm watching, I'm fit. And I just took that seriously. I love like that. Maybe a little bit too seriously. Hey, listen, far better to be very serious than <laughs> yeah. have somebody who's a bit kind of having shortfalls when it comes to just saving lives. And I love how it mirrors to the things you're saying to how I was also thinking when it came to going out and doing medicine. I was somebody yeah. who wanted to affect change and I love people and I love helping, but I always felt like if I did anything that was separate from the ground, mm. it just felt like I couldn't you were disconnected feel, to yeah, what you were doing. I couldn't you feel that, that feeling. Now we're talking about you being a paramedic. I've yeah. thankfully had a couple of rides with some paramedics during medical school and then I kind of went, I knew some friends and I kind of liked to see and kind of help in those spaces. First responders, it's very different yes. from the hospital because yes. it's not a controlled environment. No. Everything's coming at you. There's a bunch of things that could kind of go wrong and they do go mm. wrong from what I've kind of had to experience. How did you 
when it comes to that mentality, how do you get yourself or how did you get yourself ready to go into that kind of a space? Because I found I would get anxious. I'd start thinking, okay, something horrible might happen and something like it's something that I don't expect might kind of go down, especially when it comes to the road. How do you get yourself mentally to a place where you feel like you can do that every single day? Well, to be honest, the, the way that I like ended up becoming more comfortable in those on-scene responses was I started teaching it. So when you start teaching it, like for instance, I'll, I'll try and explain to you about the heart mm. and the vocab I might be using or the way I'm, yeah, it goes over your head. So I need to restructure the way I teach and restructure and restructure. And then I, was, I teach from 14 year olds to 48 year old heart surgeons that just needed like a refresher on their CPR. Mm. So my approach has to change all the time. And then I just realized that if you are just textbooked, then you're going to be flustered. So I just threw somewhat the textbook out the window. I had the basis of what I need to, to do. And then I just came in and I was aware of body language, of eye contact, my words. Okay, I wasn't just throwing that. I was, I was trying to see are they responding or just nodding their head. And then, yeah, so from that, I learned that you cannot take that textbook to your scene. So when I walk in, I walk in, big breath. Who am I talking to? Who am I fixing? How am I going to do it? Am I going to do it from, you know, Z to A or can I do it A to Z? Yeah. And then that's how I just approached it. Not in a strict form, but more of an open form and just understanding that I had the academics to apply. I just didn't know how I was going to apply it yet. And that's, that's the problem in most cases. You come to something and like, but I know it this way. I don't know what to do now. Course, yeah. So they get a bit flustered there. So I started teaching that. And then in that, I learned different ways to apply my skills in different scenes. So you speak about kind of taking the breath just before an emergency situation. And I'm somebody who's thankfully been able to research how the breath affects the body. And there's all sorts of parasympathetic and sympathetic kind of innovations. How would you describe the importance of the breath in those situations and just in life? So I found like... The breath has an ability to pull you into a moment. So I'm sure you've heard the term many a times if someone's like a bit angered, flustered or ang like anxious in a way that I like just, just calm down, breathe, take a breath. And it's like, what, is that, what is that advice? Yeah. Take a breath. What, what benefit am I going to find? And it's, I find in yoga, we obviously train different types of breathing to, like you said, encourage different responses in the body. But that initial breath in and out is not so much to calm you. It's just to, it's all you're focusing is on one breath. Bring so it's kind of centering your mind and allowing you then to be like, okay, what information am I going to allow in next mm. versus everything is there. And it's like, oh, how do I just clear this space? So, okay, who wants what? <laughs> and then you allow it in one, one part at a time. And then that's the ability to process and to effectively, you know, do a better job because you're not overwhelmed by the scene itself. So, yes, you can expand on that and move into it like more, more emphasis on breath work and breath training because it does have an exceptionally long list of benefits for the body, the mind. But again, in any situation, uh, just take that breath because all it really does is just bring you towards yourself, 
deeper into yourself, the deeper the breath. And then mm. when you let it go, you're kind of like, okay, I've cleared everything away. And then you allow that next emotion, feeling, information, one by one to yeah. step in as you allow it. And then obviously you can process and do the job needed in that order. Mm. I mean, yeah. I've, I love that you say that because I only realized that kind of later in my life with all the emergency things that I had to do. But I also find, and I don't know what your experience has been, practicing it even in situations that aren't like that, where there yeah. is an influx of sensory and audio sensory kind exactly. of stimulus, like waking up in the morning and like taking kind of that breath helps yeah. how potent it can be in that 100%. situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like for instance, my morning routine is uh, I generally wake up before the sun and I would just I'll boil the kettle and I would make like a, a lemon tea, bit of ginger, bit of honey. And because that's pretty much hot water, no more, you can't sip it immediately. Yeah. So it takes roughly about two to three minutes to cool down. And in that time, I just sit quietly either on the chair, the edge of my bed or sitting on my bed. Mm. And I just take a few deep belly breaths, just trying to pull the breath down. Nothing long. And then I'll try and like kind of create a little pattern to my breathing. So it'll breathe in for like six seconds, hold for six, exhale for six, and then maintain that emptiness. Because that emptiness is like, that's when the uncertainty of people's emotions really come in. Because like you take a breath, you're holding on to something and yeah. you're like, you're quite confident to hold on for long. You know, I'll hold this. But then when you exhale and it's like nothing, it's like people are very nervous to Scared. sit at the bottom. That's a scary yeah. feeling. Yeah. And they're like, oh. And then that's so, and then they really rush to take that next sip in of air. And then that's kind of like, you, if you have that, like, if you don't have that control of your own self and ability mm. to, like, the breath is there, it will come when it comes or when I need it. We tend to just keep grabbing at things in life and holding on to it. And then that's built a bit of clutter in our life. And, and then obviously it works us up because all of a sudden we don't have that. And, but I need it. But do you need it? Yeah. So that's, it sets in my mind the day for me to release that breath, not be too anxious for it. And then, yeah, then I just move into a little bit more subtle breathing. And if, I, if it's going to be a strong day, I do a little bit more powerful breathing just to, because if you breathe strong, you breathe thoracically, it does build a bit of like a, beat your chest kind of like feeling Energy, just yeah. yeah like big puffy chest it's always nice you stand tall you're proud and then i have confidence when i go into my day so yeah the breath work if you want to go deeper it really has like i said that long list of benefits Definitely. and yeah that's how my day starts and then i have my tea generally look at the sunrise or just look out at the sun rising because those colors are always magical and then it just and sunrises somehow just have this ability of just aspiration and then yeah if you can repeat that at, at day end because sunset has this ability to just kind of like yeah relax you and then kind of if you bring that breath work into it you also have like this calmness and forgivingness that maybe we didn't achieve everything but it's okay yeah. it's okay yeah. like i'm here i'm breathing it's okay let's not get worked up let's not work till late the day starts again in a few hours. Let's just breathe. Yeah. And, I, and I, I think it's beautiful because I know you are aligned with quite a number of yoga platforms and you can get really into the breath work. But just as simple as the routine that you were describing has so many benefits, even when it comes to the psychological ailments. Yeah. So yeah, definitely from somebody who's had very stressful times, simple breathing like that can help you quite simple a bit. Simple breathing, exactly everything you're saying is very true because I found that when I made the transition from school 
first first day I got thrown in, I was doing a call straight 24 plus hours and it was like, this doesn't look like the book. And, and you kind of realize that transition point is actually where the really, really good yeah. practitioners, like any sort of medical field happens because that's actually the most relevant. It doesn't matter if you can quote studies as long as you can fix the, yeah. the problem. Thankfully, you have the benefit of that. And I, um, I'm not saying we're the same. I'm pretty sure you are very knowledgeable. I have the benefit of also having had quite a bit of knowledge. If I was at home, because that's what we try to do here. We try to connect the dots and kind of give people things that they can take home and apply in their lives. What are some of the principles you would tell people, um, John, who's at home and is scared of an emergency or an emergency happens? What are some of the things that you'd say should be in and around the house to help with emergencies? Yeah. And also, what should one do as an emergency happens and you have that peak in terms well, of stress like, hormones? Yeah, I love it because when I open my, my lectures in, in first responding and CPR, I always say to people, like, don't be shy of making your first aid box a feature. Because I remember with my mom, like if we needed anything, plaster, bandage, cough medicine, it's like down the corridor, in her bathroom, back of the like bathroom cabinet. It's the most intimate and private place to send anyone, you know? And like, if it was, if it was you, if you were joining me for a bra, and I had to go and say, please go and get the, yeah, it's like, it ooh, you know? yeah. So, and then that's just delaying your equipment. Yeah, and obviously your response time. So I always like to say, make your first aid box in a communal or a very common ground. Um, make it visible, whether it be just by, you know, putting the word there or just guiding somewhere. It doesn't mm. have to be a standout and an eyesore in a contemporary home, but sure. make sure that it's visible. Yeah. And then attach with it a basic emergency plan. So it'll mm. be what's the two um, ambulance services to call because yeah. one can be quite overwhelmed where another one could be doing their, sitting there doing nothing because they're not as popular. Course. So, you know, learn your two or three ambulance services, put it there, your doctor, a, a really reliable neighbor. Mm. So you can have more people to help more people to like kind of like coordinate the rescues while you are doing your basic treatments. And then obviously a little bit of confidence, have some basic first aid training, have confidence in CPR training, because I always kind of say to my students at the end of it, yes, these skills in first aid need to be practiced. And yeah. if you don't practice them, you lose confidence. And then when it comes to, it's your child, your brother, your mother, a random person, really you don't have that confidence to really put your hands on them. Yeah. And then if you don't fix it, inevitably they probably will die. Yeah. You know, they'll lose consciousness and that whole process will start, but you are strong in CPR. Mm. And if you can be strong in CPR and put your hands on that patient and do hard, fast compressions. compressions and be confident in opening an airway and ventilating, it's fine. You can do that for an hour, that hour and a half. With most, I tell people this all yeah. the time. I'm like, everybody that sees these, like the tricky oh, like these complex I things. Know. I'm like, if you can do compressions, Just effective do compressions, compressions and opening yes. up airways, it's the most simple thing, yes. but it's going to help you with 85 to 90% of most easy. things. easy. Exactly. It's like, and Generally, the scene is kind of calmed down because it's quiet now. Mm -hmm. There's no screaming and shouting. Everything's subsided. And you can have that moment to be with yourself and say, I've got to do like literally two things. I've yeah. got to push hard and fast. I've got to inflate. Hard That's and it. fast, rescue breaths. Just continue that. And if you've hopefully managed <laughs> to get a, a emergency medical services online, mm -hmm. so one of your ambulance, you shouldn't be doing it for too long. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So... 
I always, so, and I, and I just want to ask you this, as somebody who's been on the scene, especially in, in terms of the first response, do you think that everybody should at least have kind of the basic life support I don't know why principle? it isn't almost in like... In school. In school, exactly. I don't know why, because number one, it's just self, like it's just so much confidence and like that you bring out in someone. Because like I said, I teach a 14-year-old yeah. and to watch them at first, like be so timid and shy and then... To hear from me, like an older person saying, that was amazing, you just saved my life. Yeah. And they're like, did I really? I'm like, if you did that on me, you would have saved my life. And then all of a sudden, it's like their aura expands, they exactly. stand up taller. And then they're not menacing because they're like, they know what they can do, they can save lives. And it's like, they have a little bit more respect for, I suppose, themselves, like honoring themselves a little bit more. It's not just a gamer but someone that can save lives Do something yeah. yeah and i always love it's it's literally that because i've come into a situation where somebody was kind of asking for help and it's like oh but aren't you like and i'd get there and there was the youngest person i've seen doing something like that was like 16. Mm. very competent very like I'll, I'll i'll do it and there's an element to like okay somebody yeah. is at least taking the lead and doing something and i keep telling people mm. if you need to know one thing when it comes to you, you don't need to know all the histamines no, and antihistamines. Yeah. Just know your basic life support, know how to do those compressions, know how to and handle the airway, and you will be probably one of the most competent people when it comes to situations. Yeah, because we all know what something should look like. And if you are calm, you would see something is not right and you would make you'll attempt to fix it. Mm. You don't have to be specifically like trained and be the best in the class, but if you're in your space and you're like observant to your patient or the situation, you would make a, like make an effort to fix it, yeah. you know. And then that's in itself how first aiding and medicine happened. You know, people were like, that doesn't look right. How are we going to fix it? <laughs> and Try then this. It, yeah, and we're going to make it uniform <laughs> so like the other people don't start gearing off yeah, and so, chopping throats to try and make things open. So always like, again, I'll just go back. So the lay person, John, I'll just say, be confident in your emergency plan like know your steps in terms of getting the right medical treatment on scene which be your first aid bag your friendly neighbor who's going to help you and you trust um, your right to medical services so you can choose whatever medical services you tie to get them on scene asap and then just control the environment get everyone back be calm yourself if you can control your own nerves you will fix what you find that goes wrong mm. just it's automatic, I think. I really don't think you have to teach someone to like, if something's bleeding, to put your hand there. Like it will just come, come out if of you it. can just get out of your own space and let everything flow. We've watched enough ER, Grey's Anatomy. I'm not saying do crazy things, but <laughs> stuff comes yeah. out. You yeah. know? And it, it just need to get out of your own space, breathe. And then like you said, if you can just have some form of CPR training, it takes the pressure of, to, of trying to save someone mm. versus if it does go for whatever reason you can prolong or you can like bridge the gap between that onset of cardiac arrest or death to the ambulance arriving and it's actually okay it'll always be okay yeah and i love again i mentioned it earlier the fact that your yogic philosophies come through mm. in a lot of the way not just as you are in your demeanor even the way that you describe things and i as somebody who's gone through kind of the yoga training and the yoga mindset i do feel like it's something that really enhances how Definitely. you go through life um and i find that even with your description in terms of aura and um, when somebody feels like they they really feel confident 
I love that you as the person that you are is like this amalgamation of all this training and all of these aspects of human condition that you've kind of researched and had. But I have to say, outside of that being Zen and helping and altruism and everything else, you run a K in three minutes. That is very impressive. You said that you're not, uh, it's okay. I'm no, thinking like 306. We'll throw away that six. We'll say three, 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 three is very impressive. You've run the comrades twice. You have your own kind of goals that you want to have. Right now, we're recording. I want you to say what is it that you see as kind of your your top feat when it comes to an endurance activity or an endurance sport, so that I can hold you to it a year from now if you haven't. <laughs> what upcoming? What yes, I want upcoming. to do? Yeah. Well. Uh, my biggest year, which was, was bound to be 2020, I was setting myself up for that, was like a silver in Comrade. Well, first it was your mid-mile. So mm -hmm. I did, in mid 2019, yeah, I did the 16 mile. Oh, so wow. that is every race, plus you got to swim back to the start. So you start on the start line with every, no, actually, you start at the finish line, you swim to the start line, then you swim the race, mm -hmm. then you swim back to the start line, swim the race, Swim back to the <sighs> so you do that for 16 miles yeah. um, in a time frame because you have to you have to swim that race and get back yeah, to the start. Time, if you, yeah, if you miss the start, you're out of the 16 mile race. So I did that. That was really tough and awesome. Mm -hmm. So my my year is to do a 16 mile mid mile, hopefully a silver comrade, and then the Ironman like a full ultra. So that was my 2020, then COVID took that from me and I just haven't got, and then I transitioned from uh, lifeguarding still and full-time teaching in emergency medicine to performance-based conditioning training and yoga training yeah. um, with still the emergency medicine. So with all that, I didn't, haven't found the time just yet to find the right balance to give to my family, to give to my friends, to give to myself and training. So maybe next year <laughs> next year so everybody's heard it's next year so i love the fact that uh, there's we're, we're gonna have you back here we really are because there's so many other elements i mean the strength and conditioning element of it as well because they're points that I, I really want everybody at home to kind of understand when it comes to that and how one moves and how one can optimize without being too intense or being intimidated yes. by it you are literally a wealth of knowledge but we have come to yet another end to an incredible episode. Ross, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Most welcome. Um, you're going to have to come here about four more times because, I mean, <laughs> he's probably going to be a professor in something when he comes back. President, anyway. eh? yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see, I knew he was incenting us with the president thing. You heard it here. So when he does actually become still president. still got 30 more years to tie it in. So <laughs> he's got time. He's a retirement plan. Um, so. Signing out from your future president and his <laughs> deputy president. Thank you for another awesome MedShield Movement Connect show. Ross, have a very good day. We'll see Thank you. Thank you so next much. Time. And thanks again for having me. Thanks, brother.